2: Recorded live. <laughs>
3: Thank <laughs> you.
4: Hello, everybody. This is Sumaya, and we're uh, starting our quantum theology call again. I'm going to mute people during the uh, meditation and block chat. I want to welcome... Uh, Southeast Arizona, West Washington. We'll probably get one or two more people as we go. The music tonight is Debussy at Dawn. And the first one we heard is Claire DeLune. The next one will be The Sea at Dawn. So will find a spot where you can relax for a while and release your stress.
2: Release any tension by breathing deeply. Always beginning with the breath. Always beginning with the In and out, rhythmic breath.
4: First thing that happens when you come into this world, and the last thing that happens when you go out,
2: the breath. Taking in fresh air and oxygen. Releasing carbon dioxide,
4: any toxins in your lungs, and any bad energy that you don't want anymore. breathing in deeply again, expanding your lungs, expanding how much fresh new energy you can have right now. Feel your cells vibrating with Good energy now. Good light.
2: Replacing
4: the bad. Always bringing in the light of Christ, the light of your angels, the light of God, first and foremost. Releasing any of the energies of the world of news, of interactions, conversations, fears of the future, regrets of the past, all going out as you keep replacing with the God light. As you start to straighten your spine, straight, straighten your posture, leveling your shoulders and your hips, balancing everything on a straight line from top to bottom and all the way across horizontal with the earth. We're getting more energized now Brighter, brighter, brighter light Better, better, better light Stronger
2: More encouraged More brave than before
4: Call kindly to your body, to your injuries. Speak softly to your injuries and say, You're getting better now. This is only temporary.
2: Only temporary being in the world.
4: One day we will leave and we will be our spirit bodies again, joining back up with God. But for now, it's only temporary. Speak softly to your injuries, to your pains, and let them heal while you rest for a while. Remember that you are a light of God Walking this earth for a short time To do his work To learn and to serve And to return Never have you been separated from God Even one time Never You have always been a child of God Always remember He extends his life through you, helps you when you need, guides you when you listen, and brings you home when the time is right. No matter what appearances come and go around you, you can always remember this one spark from the great light of God, and then we go home again. Breathe in again and fill the dark spaces, the places that forgot, become whole and healed once more.
2: Thank you. Hello, everybody.
4: Hi. 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 Hi, Lonnie. How you doing? Good. Did you get some rest. Oh Did yes. Good? <laughs> oh. Good. Yeah. And I, I was going to share a couple of little things to read to you also. Um, I can wait if there's some pressing comments. Um, uh, I want to start out with one of them first. And it it, it came to my mind because um, it the, the title of it is To Listen. And the affirmation that goes with it is As I stop and truly listen, Spirit speaks beyond words. Today I notice the pauses between the noises of everyday life, conversations, the buzz of the city, and the sounds of nature. Every lull is an opportunity to explore divine mind. I pay attention to pauses and make space for insight. Instead of nervously filling the silence, I luxuriate in the connection with the Holy Spirit. The choice is continually mine. Today I speak less and notice more. The divine is continually seeking to communicate through us and as us. By allowing the silence to be, I open to what it tells me. In this spaciousness, my awareness naturally becomes richer and deeper. As I stop and truly listen, spirit speaks beyond words. And here's a quote from 1 Kings 19. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out, and stood at the entrance of the cave. Now, I don't remember what story that was attached to, but I thought that was a really nice metaphor for what's going on. In the silence, he was able to feel that maybe things were okay now, and he can go out. But I also think about how sometimes, We listen to conversations and news and television, and it turns us around from our focus, our spiritual focus. But if we can be still and know, then the Holy Spirit can come through and give us the right guidance at the right time, at any moment, the right guidance at the right time. That's the first thing I wanted to share of uh, of the readings today. And also, I thought we would talk about how the energy of God, as he put the universe in motion, is the same energy that we have now. And all this energy has been circulating and circulating, forming worlds and solar systems, collapsing stars and becoming black holes. And it's such powerful energy that all of that, is still in motion, and all of the dimensions that we're living in are still all part of his dimensions. They're all his, you know. The way people use it on earth is not always the best, but it's still all of his. And so I was thinking one day how to share something about that. Of the energy that's coming to us and around us can be can be directed by our own minds. We can use that energy for something. I'm not sure what yet, but it's te- but I, I've been given a guidance about the energy that we're getting can be used somehow, and it could be used for healing. It could be used for learning. It can be used for service. And I was wondering what you thought about that. How can we use all the energy that is around us for good, to use it for the good of humanity, to use it for the good of nature, for building, um, for creating, for getting new ideas, um, for sharing with others? What do you think about that? And Do you have a sense of how you're using this energy right now? I am. Welcome Welcome to Central Coast, California. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Hi. Oh, hey, Karen. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, We're talking about how can we use all the energy that is around us for good to transform it somehow, to use it.
3: I can to, hear
2: you. Go ahead.
5: You that that's what I do in prayer. Prayer and meditation. Um I transform what I get from the Holy Spirit and how he directs me to pray. And I allow that energy
2: to go to God. Yes.
5: And I direct the angels I well I ask God to direct the angels to the areas that the Holy Spirit has led me to pray for. Yeah,
4: that's really good. So in other words, you're taking that energy and sending it to a good, uh, you know, like you're giving it words by prayer, and you're forming a purpose for that work for that energy instead of it just being free-floating chaos. You're organizing the energy by giving them a direction, in a way, right? Like
3: go and kill this
4: uh, person, go get this person out, loud. huh?
5: I speak my prayers out loud, too. Sometimes I formulate them in my mind, but usually I speak. And uh, when I use my prayer language, I believe that's even more powerful because it's given to me by the Holy Spirit, and it definitely uh, addresses the areas that are most important to the Spirit. And that's what I try to do when I pray: is direct the energy towards those things that are most important to the Holy
3: Spirit.
4: Right. Uh huh. So, and also, so you're you're saying, here's all this energy. What would you like me to do with it, Holy Spirit? Show me. Well, you know, is, is there a person that needs help right now? Is there somebody who needs encouragement right now? Where would you like me to focus this energy Right. that's what you're saying?
5: Yeah. And uh, I always pray for specific people too. Um, I always pray for my family and for my friends and for my enemies. If they really need the prayer. They, they probably don't have anybody praying for them. You know, seriously. So, um, I, uh, and it's it's just something that I've been working on. It's not something that comes, the spirit man is, uh, is it's odds with the flesh all the time. So, in order to touch the spirit man, it it requires building spiritual muscles,
4: right? Yeah. And
3: the flesh yeah. is
5: always trying to, you know, um, get all of our attention and energy. Right. Yeah, and that's a good. That's one. Why, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
4: No, I was just uh, uh, validating that. That's a good one. Uh, that you're building your spiritual muscles with that, with that process
5: yeah and I think that's why fasting is so good because it's the grip that the um, that the flesh has on the spirit is gets less and less because you're denying it
4: yeah somebody else uh how how are you using the activity?
0: well, I believe some. Um I believe everybody's heard Romans eight twenty eight, and I do believe that it's all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So even if something bad happens to me, God can turn it into good if I let Him do that. So uh, I'm I'm catching on the prayer. Prayer number one because unless we have the Holy Spirit working with us, I think you know things just don't uh, don't come out. We shouldn't plan it anyway. Is as effectively as, as, as God can. Um, when they... The energy I'm getting makes me tired, you know, physically. But what it does to me is make me want to do more because my spirit rises above when that... Um, when they hurt my flesh, it makes me want to accomplish more than I would otherwise. You know, if I wanted to sleep late or something, they'd get me up early. So um, I... I think it's even more important in my life now than I ever did, than I ever did before to use my time in certain ways. But if they target me real bad on Saturday night because I want to get up and go to church in the morning, it makes me more determined to get up and go to church in the morning. Because yeah, um, we all have a contribution to make to our fellow believers. And whatever little contribution I can make, you know, and they make to me, that's important. So. um it's like I appreciate you doing it because you said you said they target you badly before uh the weekend because because you have this plan. and uh they do that. It's it's ugly, it's evil, but we can turn it right around in the good. um what what it how does the Bible say too, don't repay evil with evil, repay evil with good and uh even if it's going in another direction, you know. Um it's I guess that's I guess that's the way I do it
4: yeah that's really that's a good example um you know they they do that to me uh um, like clockwork on Friday nights before Saturdays for yeah. some reason I don't have specific plans for Saturdays, and when I mean I get on the bible calls and um but you know i'm usually if the thing is if i'm sleep deprived I'm usually a little more energized also they you could just let me sleep right through the day and <laughs> and miss it. But, no, I'm up for it. You know, I'm really up for it. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know try, trying to use the energy in a positive way because, you know, that is so important. You know, people are going to be energized by it, but they might use it the wrong way. And we see examples of that in the news. So we have to be really careful, you know, right. and try to channel it in the right way that it's going to be productive somehow, you know. I agree. I agree. do you have a thought okay. about that? How are you using your energy, extra energy around you? Is that question directed at me? Yeah, I just. It, we're all sharing right now, so yeah. go
5: ahead. How do I use it? Um, I don't. I usually try to endure the energy because it hurts until it passes, at which time then I get real busy. Um, if I don't get up in the morning and go play tennis, I'm in pain most of the day and in a miserable mood. If I get up and go play tennis, then I'm in a great mood and I can, I'm energized for the rest of the day and I don't hurt until about, you know, afternoonish ish and I crank everything up. So I don't know. It's hard for me to say, how do I use the energy? I just try to tolerate it at the moment. I'm not, wasn't. I uh, focused on transforming it into anything. I spend a lot of, more time thinking now than I ever did before.
3: Yeah. And,
5: um, so, I, you know, I think about a lot of things, but I don't know if I'm using their energy or trying to use my own. So I, I have no clue what I do with their energy other than try to withstand it. Right. But that's a good well, yeah. thought,
4: trying to use Sometimes. it for something.
5: But it's, so it's destructive energy. It doesn't feel like constructive energy it gives you strength and stamina and the desire to get up and move. It kind of gives you destructive energy, at least that's how I feel.
4: Right. That's why I'm bringing bringing the topic up, because energy all by itself is more or less neutral unless it's directed towards a a particular goal. Yeah, unless it's directed
5: towards this in the form of a cyclotron resonance type beam that's spinning ions in different ways, every other pulse, micro and causing free radicals to spin off, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah, it's hard. The free radicals that come spinning off is the thing I'm battling with. Yeah. I don't know if I'm winning or not. But, um, so I don't know what to say about that. That's a good thought, and I'll try to focus on it from now on. Maybe I can actually use that energy and focus it somewhere.
4: Yeah. Well, that's what came to me after all all this time is that, It's energy. God put energy in motion. It creates worlds and stars. It also creates black holes. It moves earthquakes and tidal waves. The energy is in a potential state unless there's a movement. And when there is movement, it can have a positive or negative effect depending on how you interpret, you know well, is that tidal wave a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, at first it's a terrible thing because it will destroy houses and lives and mess people up, mess up animals. The landscape will get salinated. Um, But then overall, maybe it will create more jobs for people to build those houses back up. Um, You know, maybe there are some other positive reasons for that to happen overall over time, you know. Yeah, there's probably a silver lining
5: for most clouds, wouldn't you agree, somewhere along the line?
4: Yeah, that's what I'm trying, that's where I'm going for right now is uh, this energy is on, I mean, it's on all the time and instead of letting it be a chaotic motion of free radicals, which is basically the chaotic motion, is directing it and somehow, and I don't know if I have the answer for that yet, it's a theory in motion right now and just gathering, you know, some ideas of not only uh, physical but spiritual as well because we know that there's a lot going on on the planet right now. The free radicals of energy are everywhere. And maybe it can be like, um, you know, Kathy was saying, organize the energy around more spiritual work for humanity uh, for animals for species Um, maybe it's a prayer for anybody who's sick to transcend their sickness or maybe to pass over to heaven more quickly than suffer for a long time maybe it can be used to sever ties that are unhealthy you know sometimes we need energy to sever unhealthy ties you know otherwise they keep going yeah. I mean there's, there's a lot of different ways it could, it can be used, I think. It's just energy and it can be used somehow. That's all I'm getting at. And it's also uh, multidimensional because they even though there are physical uh you know, there are physical uses for the energy. There are also mental and um angelic really. Levels of stuff. I so. mean, yeah, spiritual, it's metaphysical,
5: definitely spiritual energy floating around these days. I
4: know that. Mhm. Yeah, and what if this energy is actually um, empowering the spiritual realms in ways that we can't see right now?
3: Because like we're.
4: Say,
5: because I think our spirits are pure energy, and that's why we right. don't die. Because energy doesn't; it can't be created or destroyed. It just changes form. So um, that is probably what they're trying to do, is interfere with our connection to the Almighty.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: In fact, it's been proposed uh, where they took the the conspiracy theory to such lengths that they want to try to capture the experience of passing over, put it in a can, and sell it. <laughs> mm. Well, you know, they well, can well, you know so the they soul can be weighed. There was a, a scientist who actually did that, and uh, I can't remember what the exact weight was, but he did um, weigh. He put people who were passing away on scales, and he found that after they had passed on, that the weight of the body was actually less. And he tried this with animals also, and uh, there was no appreciable weight that that was lost from an animal. But uh, from humans, there was a discernible weight difference.
4: Well, that's interesting because usually when um, a body dies, it gets heavier when the spirit leaves. That, I mean, harder well, to... It the- got
5: lighter. It got lighter when the spirit left.
4: Okay. That- I I thought it was the other way around. I thought that the spirit no. is what keeps the body up it- and lifts it up. No. he
5: found that there was uh, actually uh, that the body weighed less after the spirit left it.
3: Hmm.
4: Okay. But still, I mean, how can they contain that? I don't I don't really believe in that
3: for some reason. No,
4: they can't. They can't. Just
5: like they can't create blood. They've tried they've tried to create blood and they can't do it. Hmm. There's something about the content of blood which is in inimitable. Actually, they yes. do, they have manufactured blood because Clifford Carnicom has identified some bioengineered, desiccated, meaning freeze-dried, red blood cells coming down from the chemtrails. Yes, indeed, they can desiccate blood. They're not exactly human, but whatever it is, it's bioengineered and desiccated, as in freeze-dried.
3: And oh, my in
5: Many, many samples. Yes, along with many, many other horrors I won't trouble you with. But that's just one of the many things he's found over and over again over the 14 years he studied that I have read. Okay, so you can go on his website. I recommend you do to find out what's coming down in those chemtrails. You will be horrified. And there are pictures. we had a bunch of them outside today. And you know what they did? They made it the sign of the cross
3: over the... They did
5: that to me too.
4: Hmm.
5: Yeah. They made a cross over the city.
4: Well, that's kind was... of good. I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying the chemicals are good, but it's kind of nice that they made a sign for you. Yeah, but the weird thing oh, was, yeah. I was walking out in
5: the wilderness all alone, and I was holding with my hands up to my side, you know, looking up, saying, Oh God, help us, please, because these planes were making all these diseases. And then they go up and deliberately make two Christian crosses offset side by side, but offset, so I'd be sure and know they were Christian crosses and not part of a grid. And they were in the middle of a blank sky. And I thought, oh, this is a much bigger thing than just me and my neighbor. Yeah, of (laughs)
4: course.
3: Well, (laughs) that was when I
5: first woke up. I hadn't quite woken up all the way, but that was my very first discovery was that nonsense. And then, yeah, doing that and making crosses in the sky as I'm down below praying and they're a thousand feet above me. And then I got my bug detector and so there were signals in all the trees along the trail, meaning there's bugs in the trees and the bushes are bugs. They've electrified everything. oh wow, well, yeah right, but right. they see. sprinkled the smart dust in there, and it's, everything lights up with signals. Well,
4: you know well, but you we were talk- praying and and see, um, I'm trying to keep the call from the targeting issues so that we can use something here. That's a little bit more like, so I mean, I think the good sign of it is that you were praying and that despite what was going on around you, you were praying and you were being aware of your environment and your role in it. And I think that's really powerful right there. And like you said before, Christian crosses are a wonderful thing. If you're going to put something in the sky, that's a great thing
5: for them to put in the sky.
3: hmm
5: Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, have a, I I have a book entitled Jesus Calling. It's from uh, by Sarah Sarah Young. And I'd like to read from it if I may. Can okay. I read to
4: you? What's it
5: about? It's a devotional. Every day. What is today? Okay, good. 18th. 18th. 15th? 18th. 18th. 16th. Oh, okay. I am leading you along the high road, but there are descents as well as upsets. In the distance, you'll see snow-covered peaks glistening in bright brilliant sunlight.
1: you longing
5: to reach those peaks is good, but you must not take shortcuts. Your assignment is to follow me, allowing me to direct your path. That's what I was talking about with the prayer. Let the heights second you onward, but stay close me. Learn to trust me when things go quote-unquote wrong. Disruptions in your routine highlight your dependence on me. Trusting acceptance of trials brings blessings that far outweigh them all. Walk hand in hand with me. Through this day, I have lovingly planned every inch of the way. Trust. Does not falter when the past becomes rocky and steep. Breathe deep drops of my presence and hold tightly to my hand. Together we can make it. Nice. And then there's scripture with that too.
4: Uh-huh. You want to share it? Sure. Let me get
5: my Bible and I'll read.
4: Oh, okay.
2: You know, we All were right. reading through one. Go ahead. Go ahead,
5: go ahead. First one is John twenty one nineteen and I'll uh find that.
2: John twenty one nineteen. For anybody who's got a Bible and wants to look it up with me. Yes. Okay, I'm
5: finding it here. Pages in my Bible are very thin, so sometimes. Twenty one nineteen is Verily, verily I say unto you, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth by hand and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. So I guess what she's saying here is uh, to hold on to God and not to man and his uh, or your own understanding and uh we're not supposed to lean on our own understanding. And then Second Corinthians four seventeen. Finding that.
4: We lost Central Coast California, Karen. I think something happened to our phone again. What's
2: that? <laughs>
1: So
4: maybe she'll come back. Oh, did she drop off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just dropped off. Okay. Well, while oh. you're looking for that, I have something to share with you. Okay. Um, it comes. It comes for today's uh, in my daily word magazine, and it says, "I open my mind and heart to dynamic new ideas." By opening my heart and mind, I expand my spiritual vision and encompass a wider view. A fresh perspective allows me to perceive new and unexpected ideas. I'm no longer bound by limited thinking and see opportunities I might have previously missed. I'm seeing with new eyes. When I look beyond my own needs and desires and strive to serve others, my intuitive nature awakens. I align with the inner timing of life. I know when to wait and when to boldly move ahead. I trust my inner guidance from the Holy Spirit and relax with inner assurance. As I extend my view to uh, to new opportunities, I proceed with full confidence. I'm happy and grateful for my positive perspective of life. And then from Galatians 6, line 10, so when, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. Galatians it's six, one, and 10, Yeah. So that totally backs up what we were saying tonight.
5: Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, I went off on another tangent.
4: No, it's fine. Um, you know, you, you share, share encouragement wherever you can. Why? Um,
5: right. Well, I I didn't know what was going to be on the seventeenth. I thought maybe it would pertain to what we were talking about. But here I have the Second Corinthians uh, scripture. If you want me to read it, go ahead. Okay, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, four seventeen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, work is for us as far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory.
2: Can so we glory, in our, we glory in,
5: in our um, tribulations.
1: Uh-huh.
5: In fact, Paul... Said that he gloried more in his tribulations than he did in the in the spirit.
4: Yeah, because I think we were talking about that last time, where you know when we're weak he is strong, yeah. and when we suffer, you know, being worthy to suffer. That that one's kind of I'm still working on that one, but um to suffer like he did, to become closer, you know. Um, right. it's, it's still hard to accept, though, on a human level, where it's understandable on a spiritual level, you know, how we're we're releasing our needs of the world. We're releasing our attachment to the world. We don't even want to be here anymore sometimes, you know. Right. But it's actually taking us closer to, you know, higher... Uh, a higher level of spirituality.
5: As Lonnie said, you know, what the devil meant for evil, God turns
2: to good.
4: Lonnie, you have a thought um, we were reading yesterday in Acts, uh, the line of being worthy. Did you have a... I think you said something, and then... um, it was something about breaking down our human did I read that right? Uh was it in, in what we were reading an act? Yeah.
0: I can't remember what it what being, that was. Being
4: worth, you know, being worthy to it said worthy to suffer like him, but
0: Oh, okay.
4: You know, it's almost. Rip. I mean, we have to be careful not to think. All right, well, if we flog ourselves, that makes us better, but that's not really how it works.
0: Well, no. he did that the ultimate.
5: Better than,
4: but,
3: make us, you
5: know. Um, where is this? No, I've come to the determination that, um, if I hadn't had this burden on me, I never would have really. Followed the Lord the way i i I don't know if I would have been born again in the same way in the same powerful way that I was um because I just relinquished everything to him that I can't handle this, God, you have to take over and i i I can't change on my own, I can't you know, give up the the um the substances that I was abusing. I I just was at my wit's end. Yeah. And I cried out to him with all that I had and uh it was pretty powerful the way he redeemed me. Um, it was very powerful. I I think I was filled with the spirit at that point,
4: too,
5: um, because I just cried out to him with such absolute—I was devastated. I couldn't, mm-hmm. couldn't live anymore. I said, "God, I can't live like this," you know. And he sure came through,
3: mm-hmm.
4: making a space for him. Yeah, because when we're filled well, with total repentance,
5: Lord. you know, it was total repentance. I took my cigarettes, I broke them up, and flushed them down the toilet that night. Um, I said, "I'm changing." I'm God. I can't do it on my own. It says in your word, and I think this is where um, the word of God went from my head to my heart, because I said, you know. Um, if you cleanse the inside of the bowl and the the platter, the outside shall be cleansed also. I want you to come into my heart and change me from the inside. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm paraphrasing Uh, scripture right now. It's an act
4: of surrender. It's an act of surrender,
5: yeah.
2: We have to but. make ourselves empty
4: in order to be filled um, with... I, uh, exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: I think he's sort of done that with all of us, even if we had to come a long way or not. He's he's, he's taken away all the props I had <laughs> for my life and are and, um, just enough. To so let me know that he's who I need to, to depend on, and that that's so important. I wouldn't take anything for that. To know that I'm getting closer to him, because we're all going eventually anyway. And I thought, wow, oh. I would have just sail through life, and that would it would have been a shallow kind of life. I think that I would have lived. This one's much deeper. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah I, I, I think was almost going to say that you know when things are going along. You got your job and your cars and your properties and you're doing things, and you're not really thinking about needing God, you're just thinking about, can I get the next app you know whatever and um that's not where He wants us to be no. so eventually right eventually ascend and be resurrected from it,
0: and that's why I think it's difficult for us to get anybody else's attention on this. They're so busy getting up and go to, going to work, paying the bills and that sort of thing. And uh, they don't want to think about that kind of a future. And I believe I believe in, in a way that it doesn't feel good now, but in a way eventually we will consider ourselves to be privileged. Mm-hmm. Just I was of, just
5: thinking that. You know, people in other countries that don't have doctors, who don't have, you know, their physical plight, they're just, you know, they have horrendous lives. And uh, they, the mi- missionaries and so forth that go to these places are, you know, they find these people to be absolutely starving for what they have to offer, you know. And they are finding that the healings and so forth are much more forthcoming because these people don't have, you know, what else do they have to heal? They only have God. And so they rely on God totally. And um, this is what I'm... I'm believing for myself that since I don't want to go to a doctor, I don't want to go to Western doctors, um, they are programmed into the system. And the system is corrupt. And I have encountered doctors that have deliberately misdiagnosed me and I've been, you know, de, just really devastated physically because of it. And so I don't want to go to doctors. So I'm just believing for the healings that I need from God.
4: Yeah. And, you know, and being... Uh, open to, you know, maybe there's a a vitamin or maybe there's a supplement that can help you just as well that, you know, just doing the research or somebody gives you an idea. Okay, well, did you try this? And, you know, you'll feel so much better. Mm -hmm. You don't even need a doctor. You won't, you know, half the things people go to doctors for can be taken care of naturally, like Karen and I were talking about one time, like, man, if you spent $200 on herbs and supplements, you would probably be so much healthier than if you were paying that in health insurance. Right. Well, you know, um, God can heal
5: anything. He can heal anything. He can bring the dead to life. You know, I was reading a book called... uh, the supernatural power of the transformed mind. And this pastor uh, discipled people to go out and heal and cast out demons and do all these things that it says that we can do. In the end of Mark, it says that we have the ability to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, cast out demons, do all these things. Okay? But so often we rely on the natural to do those things. And after I read that book, I started to practice. Now, I haven't been doing it lately. And I'm you know, I I need to rebuild those spiritual muscles. But you you really believe In the heart of hearts that God can heal anything. Mm -hmm. He can take a deformed person, the lady who has bent over for years, the lady with the issue of blood. He can perform the same miracle he performed back when, through us. Now, right now, at this point in time, And uh, I've seen it happen. I prayed for a lady who had double pneumonia, strep throat, and bronchitis all at once. And within a day and a half, she was completely well. Wow. Completely well.
0: It does another way. What's important is what God wants not what we want. Now, My, I'll tell you about my aunt. My aunt was, and I didn't know this, she just told me one time, and she said, I was working really hard. We were young, married, and trying to, trying to make a living, and she said, uh, the doc. she said, I got sick, and the doctor told me I had asthma, and she said, I got in there, prayed all night long. Lord, I can't have asthma. I cannot have asthma. I, I just will not. She's got a mind, she had a mind like a steel trap. She's been gone for a long time, but she said, you know, I never had asthma after that,
2: and,
0: and that does work sometimes. But I think of people like Johnny Erickson, Tata, Do you know who she is? Huh? she? As a teenager, she took a dive off a off a shallow uh, uh, of a board in a shallow lake, and hit broke her neck spine, and she's been paraplegic ever since. Um, and she has been one of the most wonderful witnesses for Christ throughout her whole life. She's about my age. I mean, she's pushing seventy now probably. But um uh-huh. she used to she used to come on the Billy Graham, you know, crusades a lot and she talked and it's a beautiful story about how she and her her husband met. He has to get up, turn her over at night, change the you know, the bag for her, her kidneys and that sort of thing. It it's got an awful thing but she has been so wonderful. She's got um she's got little camps for handicapped children and when God wants to use somebody in the way that he has them, then sometimes he's gonna say no. I mean even I if can't. we know
3: that, that he can do
0: the important thing is to remember that it's still his choice. You know, he knows he knows the person, so um I, I I'm not really that crazy about the faith healing industry as much as i am uh mm-hmm. just that getting close to god you know because um he can he can do things i'd sure like to get rid of arthritis and some other stuff you know a lot yeah,
4: of, yeah.
0: you know like they say gray hair is a uh a, a beauty is wonderful <laughs> you know that sort of thing the bible says that yeah. somewhere in proverbs you know but um I know that I'm getting closer to God. That's, what, that's what's important. So whatever he's yeah. got tomorrow, is what I'm going to deal with, you know. And uh, I, th- I, th- I just think that's important to remember.
4: Yeah, that's so, a good point. Remember, there was a guy. There was a little boy back. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, but he contracted AIDS because he got a bad blood transfusion, and he was totally innocent, you know. And of course, yeah. he was in and out of hospitals. And he was on the road talking to people, explaining, educating. He wrote beautiful poetry, and I think he wrote one or two books. He finally, you know, passed away, but he yeah. was only like 13 years old. Um, and he affected so many millions of people. He was on CNN and all these other, you know, I mean, yeah. people people's hearts were opened because he was innocent, he was very articulate, I mean, he was extremely oh. bright, very intelligent, and everything he said made perfect sense and was divinely inspired. And so mm-hmm. he affected millions and millions of people by his appearances, and then finally I guess the Lord decided he had suffered too much, and he, uh-huh. had, he hadn't even met his 20th birthday you know he never even made it that far so Uh um, god will like you were saying lonnie i believe that you know he will use you the way he needs you you know if you open to it if he wants you to get well so you can get on with something else maybe that's the right way but if he wants you to be sick he might want you doing something else with it you know like, that's why I was thinking, there's got to be a way for us to use this energy for good because, you know, we are right. in it and we just have to listen. God, Holy Spirit, speak to me, show me, guide me. Angels, right. tell me, you know, I'll do what, what I can with it, what I whatever I can with it, whatever short amount of time I have left. All
5: right.
4: I love that. It's, oh, it, I think that's it's, that's it's a
5: matter of what will bring God the greatest glory.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah.
5: That is that is really what is important. If God will be glorified more by healing than uh by the suffering of a of a human, he will do it. Perhaps somebody needs to suffer and show that they can overcome the suffering and still be a right. And that yeah. gives him greater glory than healing them you know whatever is going to bring him the greatest glory is what he's going to do
4: yeah yeah uh, i just remembered another story um and i forget the name of the man he um he was a guest on my show uh when i had a radio show and and he he, his his thing was called from mafia to ministry that's the title of it (laughs) And he was a hitman, and I, I wish I could remember his name because I'm not doing him justice by not know. I can't remember his name, but he's pretty famous now. Anyway, he was a hitman. He was rising the ranks. He was going to be a made mafioso boss type deal, you know, whatever, right, like you see in the movies. But he was the real deal. And uh, he sat down on the bed one night, and I don't remember the exact, series of events. But the Lord came to him and said, you're going straight to hell. And he showed him, right?
3: Mm -hmm. And the
4: guy, the guy who Uh wasn't afraid of anybody or anything was shaking, scared, and (laughs) totally changed his life after that.
1: Now he's a
4: minister. He's a minister from, oh, he's in Atlanta, Georgia someplace. And um, he totally turned his life around because he was given the fear of God in a moment, totally yeah. switched him around. Yeah. And that's how <laughs> he's getting used, you know. He's mm-hmm. probably touched a lot of evil people.
0: with <laughs> <Yeah>. his
3: message. <laughs> well, people yeah, like
0: that can be great good. witnesses. You know, he knows the bad side. And, and he can he can witness people listen. people in the... Yeah. Uh, in the wrong side of life, can listen to people like that. With, they won't listen to me. You know, I was raised in the church and all we
4: No, because we're, we're, we're females, you know.
3: <laughs> like, oh, why we're crazy. creative,
4: you know. Don't listen to us. What do we know?
0: <laughs> what do we know? That's what they tell Mary. That's what they tell Mary when she went back and told them Christ was alive. What does she know? She's a woman. No.
4: <laughs> yeah. She's a what? Wait, wait. say it again. I didn't hear it. I was just saying that's
0: what they said they thought about Mary Magdalene when she saw Christ at the tomb alive, and she went back and told the disciples. And they went, oh, she must be crazy. You know, they didn't believe her. Yeah. But, yeah. You know what I'm crazy. reading here? Okay. I'm going back. You know that scripture you talked about where when Elijah heard it, he put his clothes over his face? Yeah, nation. thanks,
4: because I was okay. going to go look that up after. Go ahead. Well, what's neat is the part before, it's the
0: situation he's in. And that's when I was, I, we were talking about this before Christmas, I think it was, because uh, I have the the nativity, you know, the movie they made of the nativity. And uh, in the movie, uh, before, you know, before Mary's betrothed or anything, and she goes into a lady's uh, home where she's teaching children. And the lady says, and the Lord was not in the earthquake, and the Lord was not in the wind, and the Lord was in it, it, the Lord was in a still small voice, you know. That was her lesson. And I thought about how stories were passed on a lot then. But this is the story. It was Elijah was uh, he had called fire down from heaven, and he killed all the bad prophets of Baal and all that, you know. And then Ahab, uh, his wife Jezebel, started after him. And then he got scared, so he went and he hid in this cave. This Magnificent prophet with wonderful stuff. He, he he caused it to stop raining for a long time, and then he caused it to rain for a long time. It was crazy. He did all these miracles, and then he got scared. So he went to the cave, and this is what, this is just a short little thing. Can I read the first part, the part about yeah. where? Okay, and the word he's in the cave now. He said, "And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah?" He replied, "I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty." The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Well, he had killed all the bad prophets, and Jezebel decided she was coming after him, so she started doing stuff too. So he got scared. Okay, the Lord said, here's the part, uh, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And he told him again, and then he told him to go back to work. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Elijah, too. Yeah. The guy. Is great prophet.
4: That's a great story. I'm going to have to read that one again.
3: Yeah,
0: I love it. I love it. Anyway, I thought I recognized it, but uh, he's the one we're expecting to be one of the two witnesses, you know, and he was at, yeah. uh, at the Transfiguration. And so, I mean, even prophets like that get scared once in a while. So.
4: Oh yeah, you know that's that's a really good point because you can be totally connected and be given these gifts and then uh, get scared um, and just want to go back into hiding, being a simple person again. You know, just want. To, wait a minute, I just want to like eat a sandwich. You know, <laughs> I don't want to be all this big stuff anymore. <laughs> I oh, know.
3: I oh, know. But God I
4: was
5: sex during that time. He had the ravens bringing him uh, meat, didn't he, me, Lonnie?
4: I'm
3: sorry. He
5: had the bringing him
0: food. Oh yeah, there's something about he brought him some food with a raven, something like okay. that. Yeah. I can't miss it. Anyway, anyway, God took care of him. He just uh-huh. <laughs> he just kind of lost his nerve there for a while, short time.
3: Well, well,
1: there's
4: also know. a story. I love the I love the cave stories um, throughout the ancient world. And um, another cave story was, and I can't remember the exact year, but it was somewhere around, I want to say, 500 A.D. Somewhere. I have to look it up. But um, anyway, so Rabbi Akiva and his students were studying, right? But then the Romans decided that you weren't allowed to study the Bible and they were killing people and burning Bibles, right? So these so these uh, students went into a cave to hide away because they wanted to keep studying the Torah and they also wanted to study the mystical levels, uh, which is called the Kabbalah. And at the time it was just a verbal passed down from generation kind of thing. Nothing was written about the mystical levels of Judaism before that. So Mm -hmm. it was a a verbal tradition, and they went into a cave to hide out from the Romans so they could keep studying. And they were in there for 13 years, and they were Mm -hmm. learning, and they started writing down some of the mystical visions that they were receiving. And then uh, at the end of 13 years, they came out and it was safe again.
0: Well, well... They were outside Israel or outside Jerusalem there?
4: Yeah, I, you know, I have to look it up. It it was somewhere around there. They found the scrolls somewhere in the deserts in some caves. And then for centuries, the, the, the scrolls were like put here and they were put there and nobody understood what they were talking about because they were so esoteric. And then huh. it, it's actually now it's called the Book of the Zohar, um, that book of the Zohar was written in that cave during that thirteen-year period, and it's really, really deep. And so, did
5: it, they, did they uh, talk to
4: Christ too? To Christ? Oh. Yeah. Uh, was, no, this, it's a, this was a very, there was a very religious clan of Jews that was that did that.
5: Oh, okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Because. Uh,
5: I know that throughout history, um, the Christian sects that have been most like the first church have been persecuted terribly, the,
4: um, uh, oh gosh, I have their name on the tip of my tongue. Well, like the Essenes or the, uh, the Gnostics, um, not the Gnostics, the, um,
2: Oh, I can't remember
3: their name. They
5: were, uh, they were in Spain, and they were in Germany, and some of their descendants are actually uh, the the Amish.
0: Oh, Mennonites. Okay. Yeah.
5: Okay. The Mennonites, but there was another sect that was even before the Mennonites. The Mennonites came from.
0: Oh gosh. And I can't That's remember right. what this is. I've got but, something here I can find it. I can't find it. Uh I was at Bible study the other day and a guy who was with some Mennonites uh said they have a five hundred year old apology to make to the Anabaptists. You know, they're they're kind of the forerunners of the Baptists. We're Baptists. Right. You know?
5: the Anabaptists, right.
0: Yeah. They were persecuted some way. They said, okay, because the Anabaptists thought you should be totally submerged instead of sprinkling. Okay. So that was a big deal. And they said, okay, uh, you want to be submerged. So they took them out in the river and drowned a lot of them, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. persecution going. So he he gave it to us. I don't know what I've done with it. Oh, Glimpse. She it's, it's, said, it's a, I think it's Mennonites that did it. And he said said they're apologizing now, a of years later. But it's kind of neat. Let's see. 500-year wound that had to be healed, how Swiss Reformed Christians and Anabaptists repented together. Oh, the Anabaptists did it. Repented together to address a historic rupture, something they shouldn't have done. You know, I think it was about two or three years ago that the Pope apologized for something. I guess, you know... It's never too late, I guess. <laughs> it took a long but,
3: time, right?
5: <laughs> it took
3: a, a really uh, long time. And,
5: and children that they perpetrated? <laughs>
3: uh,
5: that's what they really need to apologize for. for. For what now? For all the children that these priests have, have uh, molested. Oh,
0: that's recent. I think he was apologizing for something that happened a long time ago, um oh. that's a reason yeah you're right that needs to be that needs to be taken care of definitely
3: mhm, mm-hmm.
0: but it may take a hundred more years or something that's the way churches are I guess
4: yeah, well that's that's too long <laughs> I know yeah it's too long <laughs> I, I mean, I was nice, it, it was nice that one of the popes in the twentieth century. Later in the 20th century, finally said, uh, We apologize for turning so many Jews over to the Nazis. But, I mean, it was Mm -hmm. like a decade later.
5: Well, you know, the
4: Catholics were going to be persecuted also. The
5: Catholics were going to be sent to the camp. And uh, the Pope made a deal with Hitler. Mm
1: But
3: if he
5: these Jews over that the Catholics would not be persecuted. Ah. Yet we well, were going th- to persecute them also. Yeah. And send them to the camp.
0: There there are black you know, black holes in each segment of Christianity yeah. and that is hard. And you know, we're dealing with the, a real black hole with the Muslim community now. But we do need to realize that uh, it happens. It happens everywhere. We're all human beings. It's yeah. The problem. <laughs> but,
5: um. Well, this is this targeting is our cross that we have to bear. This yeah. this persecution that we have to bear. You know, I was actually put in a. Uh, the mental hospital because I carried my Bible around with me and I was a religious fanatic. That's the reason they gave me for putting uh-huh. me in the... So, you know, it's just... And I rejoice in that. Yeah. I really do. And I was treated just horribly in that. I, w- I got so much street theater in that hospital, it was unreal.
0: Uh-huh. And...
5: uh so, and the time I was in there, I just read the psalms, I, and I read them out loud, which uh-huh. really got some people upset because I was talking about how uh, they were digging the pit and they were going to fall in themselves,
3: <laughs> you know. And
0: well, I, um, I think Nancy uh, kind of had that same experience when she was. She was locked up, you know, for a while there. And so she held on. She held on to her faith. That's what um, God gives us, I believe. That, and that's another one of the things. I think he gives us no more than, uh, he doesn't give us any more than we can handle with him. Because um, when he puts us through that sort of thing, he knows we can handle it. You were able to handle it, and she was able to handle it. And apparently, I wasn't, because so he didn't put me in there. But
4: um,
0: <laughs> he does that, yeah.
4: you know. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a whole other point of discussion. I just want to very quickly uh, correct my what I said before because I'm looking at it right now. The 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 safer Zohar, or the book of the Zohar, which was written, it was written in the second century. Um. By Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his students in that cave, and the cave for 13 years. That was that part was correct. It was in the Holy Land, and it was uh, somewhere north of Gal- uh, near the Galilee area. And um, mm-hmm. when they, after 13 years, they heard the Roman emperor had died, they could finally leave. But there until that time, there were more and more laws put against them that they couldn't do this, they couldn't do that, kind of like you know, and um so they they hid away so they could study, and they wrote that book that second century yeah. um. well i I
5: want to i I just want to say this about that particular um story. And I and I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be um, at all, I, I just want to illuminate something for you. The book of the Kabbalah is actually satanic in origin.
4: No, it isn't. And I can it tell is. you because I already know. I mean, don't go by what people tell you because that's propaganda. And I can tell you it's not, you know. They don't, there's nothing about that in there. And Jews don't even believe in that, so it's not in there. And if you have read as many books about it as I have, then you can say that, but you can't. So I'm not going to yeah. entertain that thought at all.
3: There's a great okay. deal going on here now. But I
4: was given to understand.
5: By uh, several pastors, I have not really studied it myself, so I can't really say.
4: Okay, but well, that's, that's, a, that's but a nice I don't way to understand. That's a nice way to. I, I, you can't I, go I, I by all the ministers either. If they don't know, they can't say with confidence, and they pretend to say with confidence. To, they speak of things that they don't really know about. And so it's easy, easily dismissible if you've read any of the text because uh, that stuff is just hearsay and propaganda.
0: I think we're in a time here when uh, Israel and the Jews may be coming under a persecution that we, you know, it's been throughout the centuries, but we may be coming under a certain time that it's increasing now. But uh, not only that, but... There is a preacher I do uh, respect quite a bit uh, named Charles Stanley. He comes on and uh, the radio quite a bit, but I don't know anybody who doesn't think you'd like him. But uh, he said this is the time in history, and he said we need now to, no matter what somebody says from whatever pulpit, we need to individually go and research it ourselves to know for sure because God will speak to us if we if we uh, open up and study Him, His Word, He will let us know the truth. And I think we have to do that because the truth truth is hard to find unless you really work at it, you know? Yeah. You really have
4: to work at it, you know? Anyway. There's so much, like you said, there's so much information floating around and there's so many opinions. I mean, the Internet is a perfect example of chaos of information. It's just Everyone has an opinion. Everybody's a writer. everybody's a te- you know everybody's an expert and then yeah. there's all the underground stuff there's so much chaos out there of information now that yeah. it really it really forces us to focus we have to really align with the truth and listen for guidance, not from what we hear on other talk shoes or whatever I mean you know what I'm saying right and
3: yeah, really yeah. Have
4: to, to spirit, and I'm sorry to, if it sounded kind of
3: cool. No, but
4: I, uh,
5: I I apologize because I hadn't done any research on that. I had uh, I think anything can be twisted by Satan. Perhaps uh, there is a form of the Kabbalah that is satanic. Perhaps there is another text. That they have come up with, which is perverted the original. So they've done that with the Bible, for goodness' sake. They perverted oh, yeah. this new Bible that the New World Order is going to be promoting. Is uh, very, very, very seductive, but it's not the truth as it was written um by the textus receptus mm-hmm. and uh that's why I studied the King James version because uh that is the closest to the textus receptus it's hard to understand it and you have to have a archaic uh dictionary sometimes to get the words uh defined properly but um you know it's it's uh it's very accurate. And uh I what uh, happens
4: is they take they take a book and they say, We're the first ones to show you the truth you know, which is really right. like you take a piece of this and a piece of that and they make a cult out of it. And then they try right. to control people with the same uh brainwashing techniques that they've been using for thousands of years, and they're calling it new. Like, you know, if you if you get on a, you know, if you listen to Coast or you look through, um, you know, some bookstores where, oh, look, this is such a new idea, let's sell a million copies, but it's the same old thing, you know, it's just the same old thing. And uh, we'll get rich quick just by thinking positive. Oh, is that a new thing, really, you know, and... Um, <laughs> you, know, you know where I'm going with it. And if they wanna yeah. if they really wanna to sell to a Christian market, it's all marketing, they'll put a quote uh, from the Bible on there to support the whole thing, you know. And then right. it, it, they'll try and to they'll sell another
5: set, set of books. Too.
4: Huh?
3: They'll
5: take it out of context also. Right. Because in order to really understand the scripture you have to the Bible interprets itself. And you have to go not only to what the text is around that scripture, but also perhaps if it's in the New Testament, go to the Old Testament to affirm uh, the validity of that statement. It's like uh, what Jesus did all the time. He referred to, uh, as it says, in, and then he would give... uh, the Old Testament reference. And Paul did that quite a bit, too. Uh-huh.
4: Yeah, so um, she, I'm looking at well, that. I'm sorry. You know, people forget that Jesus was born Jewish. He was trained Jewish. All of yeah. his teachings came from the Holy Temple. Then he took yeah. it to a new level for people to receive it in a broader sense. But, I yeah. mean, you can't separate you can't separate them. They're part of the same lineage, you know. That's the way I look at it.
3: That's right. Exactly. Well, all
5: we are, all we are are grafted into the fig tree or the olive tree. We're grafted in. We're not original uh we're Jewish by the blood of Jesus and for no other reason. But I tell, you know, I, there's a lady who comes to, um, who's Jewish, who comes to help my mom out. She's her caregiver. And she's Jewish. And, I, and uh, you know, she gets offended sometimes at my Christianity. And I simply tell her, you know, I am not anything but a Jew that has been grafted into the uh the true God. I said, "You, have, your God and my God are the same. You're the, the God of it, Isaac, of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob."
3: That's so now, hard. To, uh, there's only
5: one. <laughs> <laughs> I have a
0: friend who's Jewish too, and he or uh, er, 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 just an acquaintance, you know. But uh, I think I've said this before. But I said, "Would you?" Uh, do me a favor. Would you read Isaiah 53? Because it's, you know, it's where it talks about the suffering servant coming and just, Christ, okay. He said, okay, I'll do that, Yeah. So then uh, we, I said something else. I invited him to church, is what it was, twice. First time he said, no, maybe, uh, but no. And so next time I invited him, uh, he's just a young fellow, goes to college here, you know, and uh, he says, it's a totally different religion, and I tried to explain to him that the roots of my faith are in his faith, you know, and it comes from other, you know. But it was—it's very difficult to um, to make that—you can make it clear, but you know, for somebody to accept it, that's that's difficult uh, because he's been hard from from birth, you know. So it's important. I was—I was, I was going to tell you—I um, started reading a new book. And I like it. it's it's about targeting, but it's Dr. John Hall has written a new book and I'm glad he has because he's good at explaining everything. But I'm gratified that and even though you said that um because that you know they'll use scripture, every um every chapter I see he is prefaced with a scripture. And it's talking about
3: um oh, oh, getting,
0: Yeah, I like this. Getting the truth. Uh, is important right now because I think we're in a time for a lot of deception. And one, let's see, the chapter he's got on remote influencing, he's got from Revelation, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. So we're in a time for that. And let's see, another one, chapter 5 is on auditory harassment. And he says, dear friends, this is uh, First John. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirit and see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Um, I, I I like the fact that he's done this. I I haven't read it all yet, so I'll let you know how it goes. But
4: anyway. yeah, well, and this is the time, like it said in Revelations, you know, information. What is it? Information will be expanded, or what were the words they used? Knowledge.
5: Second uh,
0: Daniel knowledge yeah.
5: will
4: will abound.
0: That was yeah. Uh, The last part of Daniel, when they told, Daniel was told by the angel to close up the book because you will rest, and Daniel died, okay. He said this is for the end time, the time of the end when
4: um, information will be increased.
0: Something, yeah, people will go to and fro. People will go to and fro. Okay, we didn't go to and fro until somebody got off a horse and got into a ford, you know. And that's not been very long ago. Uh, people were going, uh, the average trip was seven miles an hour for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And all of a sudden, we can go 7,000 miles an hour real quick, you know. It's, it's just changed. So it says, we will go to and fro, and knowledge will increase. Knowledge has never increased like it has exponentially, especially in the last part of the 20th century and the first part of the 21st. So uh, we're here, I believe. Yeah. So anyway, what well, boy I found and
5: interesting about
4: a lot about it. of
5: falsehood. A, it's a lot of falsehood. Yeah. You know the. I, I. This is what I pray. I pray to understand the truth through the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Yeah. To be able to discern through the Holy Spirit, because He knows all things. And he knows the truth of all things. So I pray that I only receive the truth of all things, whether it's through another human being, like, um, you know, what you said about the Kabbalah just now. Uh, You know, I receive that in my spirit, and um, I apologize if I, you know, uh, gave him, Misconception, but the Holy Spirit will communicate through people, through circumstances, and that's still small voice. And uh, so, I just I constantly pray: Do not let me be deceived, God. Do not let me be deceived. I want to know
3: the truth. Yeah. Karen came back on the
4: call. Um, Do you want to add in? You've been kind of quiet lately. Do you want to say say anything? Hey, hey. All right. Well, she did come back on, but she... Are you talking to me? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay, Okay, I just if you wanted to chime in a little, um, go right ahead, you know. Oh, I'm, I'm just kind of wrapped up for the night because I have to cover up real good.
5: these you guys go ahead. I'll chime in if I uh, right. okay, have something good. to say.
3: All right. Thank you.
0: hmm I'm reading another good book. You were talking about experience uh, with God. Uh, it's called Experiencing God, and it's kind of a classic now. I should have read it twenty, thirty years ago. I think he he wrote it in the seventies, maybe something like that. But it's become one that um, people even have Bible studies. He's got a he's got a he's got a whole school now. And he said, "I never thought this would happen." But um, anyway, it's it's by Henry Blackaby, and he's an old fellow now. So he and his son uh, did the revision of it. But it's a good book, and it's one of the most popular about just getting close to God, knowing and doing his will, you know, and uh, learning the truth. And, um, uh, so anyway, I recommend that one. Yeah. I,
4: I, I found, found... I'm sorry. Go ahead. I found
5: that I experience God the most when I'm out of my comfort
0: zone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
5: We all do. I think so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: when we, you know, we're too
5: busy for him. i my comfort zone and I'm, you know, he, mm-hmm. and he will do things deliberately to, you know, put me out of my comfort zone so that I can grow. It's like a baby, you know, the baby crawls at first and then it's not comfortable for it to get up on its feet and walk, you know, it falls down and... It Um, and, uh, so what God does is he lets go for a while and he lets you experience what it's like to be on your feet and actually walking and then, you know, when you're ready to fall, he catches you if you let him. You know if you're if you're in communication with them um, you'll do that and i i I just feel like um, these last few years have been very, very difficult, but I've grown more in being uh away from my comfort zone than I ever would. Mm -hmm. Uh, if I had a real easy life, you know. um, And now they're irradiating me again, and uh, they've been doing it all night. Um, And my muscles are twitching and everything. Uh,
4: Talking about comfort zone, um, you know, uh, when... uh, the pain was getting too much. Uh, I decided that maybe I should sell the house and try to find a new location. And so I would not see out my plan, my physical worldly plan, was to keep my house and stay there and retire there for the rest of my life. But I was not comfortable. I was in, and I sold the house and I went on the road for five years, and I wouldn't have done that. And I had a lot of great experiences. During that time, I met a lot of people I would never have seen, a lot of landscapes, a lot of photography, um, a lot of faith in the middle of nowhere where there wasn't anything, you know, none none of the physical creature comforts, um, you know, trying to find suitable campsites and whatnot. I mean, the whole RVing experience, as difficult as it was, was also something that I wasn't going to do. And, um It brought me a lot of um, strength. I mean, I I built inner strength during that time because I was doing it all by myself with my three animals that I had at the time. And uh, it was just us. And a lot of times we were out in the middle of nowhere. And I got to meet a lot of people in trailer parks that I would not have met because trailer parks were not good places, you know. And, no, that's not true either. I met a lot of really good down-to-earth, you know, Bible studying, um, strong, helpful people, very helpful people um, in these parks that I would never have met. I met a lot of good people in um, beautiful landscapes, you know, in state parks and national forests that I would never have seen if I didn't get pushed basically catapulted out of my comfort zone because I was, it. you know, that house was paid off. <laughs> I mean, I was set. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> and not, the next yeah. thing I know, I'm like all over the United States, you know. <laughs>
3: uh, that's,
4: travel is
5: uh, very mind-expanding.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And I uh, I moved up to Oregon for a while, and boy, it really opened my eyes to a lot of things, you know. Because um, mm-hmm. I've lived in Tucson most of my life, so you get really insulated in a place. Mm-hmm. You get you get very. Um,
3: I don't know how, how
5: to put it. I I know that um, it wasn't a, probably a good idea for me to move up to Oregon, but it sure did expand my levels of dealing with life mm-hmm. um, because I was living with a perpetrator. And
4: was, I was had Oregon? to deal
5: with... Huh?
4: Um. Why was not Oregon? wasn't it a nice place there? I heard really nice. It was beautiful.
5: Oh yeah, I I loved yeah. Oregon. But um, well, let me explain what happened. I um, I had a friend who I thought was a friend who said she was blind. She said that she had all these physical problems and she needed me to move up with her up to Oregon with her. And she said that she couldn't live on her own and she needed help. So I uh, I gave away most of my possessions and packed up two suitcases and took a bus up there, only to find that not only was she not blind, but she was also perping me. Well, just, um, just the
4: fact that, that she lied to you in the first place, you know, I wouldn't trust anybody. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she um, she has a great
5: deal of uh, reaping to do. With that was what she sowed in my regard.
4: Yeah.
5: But um, anyway... I lived with her for four months, I guess it was four or five months, and uh, I had to give her my entire Social Security check or she would fly into rages that were um, unbelievable. I mean, she broke a door, she would throw things, she'd fly into rage if I didn't give her my money. And uh, I didn't trust the police for obvious reasons, so I just had to, um, I had to deal with it, and it wasn't easy. Uh, and I just relied on God to keep me safe. This this person was uh, <laughs> psychotic, really. She she was very very sick, and uh, but you got out, so you did the I right thing. I got out. Oh, this is an oh, incredible story. I ended up going to um, a mental hospital because, you know, um, this woman I was living with said that I was suicidal, which I wasn't. You know, I was con- I was begging God to take me home, but I would never have turned any weapon against myself to do that. But she essentially put me in the hospital. Well, while I was in the how hospital... Did end up,
4: how did you end up in Arizona uh, from Oregon? Did you take a... Well, that's down? what I'm
5: explaining now. That This okay. is the story I'm explaining now. Well, I was in the hospital. I met a lady who found out about my circumstances and what was happening in my life. And she said, Kathy, I can't turn away from this. She said, I have the ability to help you. And I find that I cannot morally allow this to go on with you. She said, I'd like to help you get home. So she and her husband picked me up from the hospital, took me to Prineville, which is about 50 or 60 miles away, put me up in a motel. We got my suitcases out of the house. We took my possessions out of there. And it was a blessing that the woman that I was living with, was not there at the time. I mean, all these things just kind of fell into place. They put me up in their home for a month, until I could get my next social security check, and take a flight home. And they gave me money, they took me out to eat, they just, they treated me so well. They were just a total blessing. And, uh, They're my friends to this day. They're they're wonderful people. And uh, that was God. That was God that did
4: that. Yeah, and that brings us back to the idea of um, what Lonnie was saying, God doesn't give us more than we can take, you know? Yeah. And I wonder about that because I know that sometimes it's way more than people can take. And sometimes they get sick and die. I mean, sometimes the events of life are just too much. So I'm not sure I totally believe that one. I've heard it. I've heard it in songs. Um, you know, is that true? For I mean, is it not more than we can take? I mean, sometimes we can just flat out pass out. The people who pioneered the West, for instance, will make it just, you know, just keep your eyes on uh, California. We're going to make it. We're going to make gold. And then, man, a lot of people died along the way, a lot of them. Women, a lot of women, because they couldn't take the hardships, the bad water, the diseases, um, and the long, 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 long ride.
5: Well, I think that um, it depends on whether or not you trust God and you follow him. Yeah. Because the, look at what happened with the Israelites. They left Egypt. They did, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. But it was only an eight-day trip.
3: Yeah. <laughs> That's true. But
5: their shoes didn't wear out. They always had food. They had water. You know, but Moses trusted God. And he led them because he trusted God. And because he trusted God, God provided the water. He provided the manna. He gave the law. I mean, he took them. Eventually, they did get into the promised land, although it was a, a very few that actually lived there at first, a very few because a lot of them stayed on the other side of the Jordan. But, um, you know, I think it's God won't give you any more than you can take if you trust him and allow him to lead you.
0: There's there's a second part to that, too. I have my neighbor, I uh, had a really good friend, and her friend, they're young, very young, young that uh, They're newly married over here. Married over here, but she had a good friend her age who died a couple of years ago, married and had a couple of kids and all. And she still cries just talking about it. But uh, we were doing a study, too, of um, James, was the one we were studying first in Revelation. But um, part of it was where Beth Moore says that God does not take someone until that person, a, a believer, talking about a believer. God so does just take that person until that person's purpose for life is completely fulfilled. And that's that's the main right. thing I want him to do with me. Uh, you know, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's 20 years from now, I don't know. But I want my purpose because he's the one that planned that purpose. I didn't do it. I thought I was planning my life, but I wasn't. <laughs> he, he had it in mind long before I came along. So... Um, it, that's yeah, just the I, other. Point.
4: I believe that. I, I totally believe that. I feel like everyone is here to fulfill, and if they do it well before they're 13 years old, then like that little boy wrote poetry, <clears throat> then that's it. You know, he, he did. He did what he was supposed to. And
0: um, yeah. The
4: rest of us, well, we try to do the best we can to fulfill our purpose. Um, personally, I'd like to fulfill it as soon as possible. <laughs> like every mm-hmm. day. I can relate to that
5: sky I really can cuz mm-hmm. I'm weary yeah. I'm weary but you know God does not waste anything if you look at nature look at the ants okay they break down the matter that is dying and decomposing and all the um the molds and things like that so the dead leaves actually become mulch which feed the trees right he doesn't waste a single thing now we can definitely too if we do not listen to him and we do not follow him, you know, we have free will. But even in that case, he carries out his will because he knows our hearts and he knows what we're going to do before we even do it, you know. And so he works around our free will choices and creates a situation where, um, we do the most benefit to his kingdom. Even the evil people have a purpose. Yeah. You know. Even they yeah. have a purpose. Mm-hmm. All those kings
0: conquered uh Israel when there was you know, when there was, God was punishing Israel at the time, so he brought this evil king there he uses he uses everybody if he Very wants simple. to what well, if Daniel says that too? He sets up King and takes him right down. <laughs> takes a
5: he's using me now, even though I'm you know in a situation where I don't have uh much connection with the outside world. I'm on a poetry site, and I write about him. On the site and i am and i have i i think I have like three hundred and sixty five followers now on this site people that have friended me mm-hmm. uh, and so i'm even in my situation in my circumstances, I'm spreading light through him and you know, he's given me like that little boy, have the ability to write poetry. And that is something I can totally relate to because and they know my circumstances. They know I'm not in, in really great circumstances and I've had several people tell me, you know, you're an inspiration because I know, you know, your circumstances and that you can still stay upbeat throughout everything is you know amazing
3: yeah, so that's true
4: um and you're using and you're using your time to be creative and to pray for others and to uplift others with um that knowledge, you know, the biblical knowledge and the and um education
5: right
4: mm-hmm. um i just And
5: I know that God gives me these poems and he gives me the music. He gives me these things through the spirit because in myself, I couldn't do it. I can't think up some of the things that I write about. (laughs) I mean, um, he uses my innate abilities, but he funnels the spirit into me so that I can express what the Spirit is trying
4: to say. Am I making sense? Of course, yeah. Totally, totally understandable. Yeah. Well, this is a good place to um, bring in our closing music. Um, I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. It was a really good conversation. And uh, I wish everyone well and blessings. I'm going to be playing a little more of Debussy. And I um, hope you all can come back again. Um, we're doing it 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern on Sundays. And uh, that's 8 o'clock Arizona time. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.
5: Thank
0: you, Jason.
2: Thanks.
4: for are opening the window for us.